Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and we exalt your name. We come once again to receive instructions from you, Lord. With the mind, God, that you enlighten our mind and give us understanding. And let be healing be done to our souls so that we can be properly positioned and to walk in the inheritance that you offer us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to continue with our study on our adoption. And this is part two. Adoption, part two. The test is still the same. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15. For you have not received... The spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba Father. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, where we cry, Abba Father. I made us to understand that the primary thoughts in this scripture is that. Like it was in Mount Sinai, Israel was afraid of God when he was given the law. I mean, when the law was being given to them by God, they became afraid because of the lightning and the thundering on the whole place. And the point again is, like we said last time, slaves don't call on God as their father. And so, one of the things that actually happened to the children of Israel, you begin to see that because they have this fear in them, they could not approach God. Rather, they requested for God to talk to Moses and Moses to talk to them. So, we begin to see that once this spirit is on you, you can approach God as your father. And again, when I use the word adoption, I try to explain to us, in the Greek, the word is huiotesia, and huiotesia means the placing as a son. And next week I'm going to make you see from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 9, how God was saying that he adopted Israel. And I try to make you understand that adoption is not like the Western concept whereby you pick somebody from another family who is not your bloodline you bring him to yourself and becomes your child that is not biblical adoption hallelujah and so weotasia means a pleasant as a son and i'm going to give three places in the scripture where jesus was adopted by god now, the re-implication of this word, adoption, 
like I'm saying, it's not that a family is taking in a stranger. No. Maybe an orphan, but rather a blood-born child of the father who has moved into maturity to do the father's business. That is adoption. We are not talking about, you know, someone taking in a family that doesn't have the same bloodline with them. That is not biblical adoption from the Hebrew concept. But here we are talking about when the child comes to the place of maturity and the father have acknowledged that he brings the child before the public the elders of the city and declares before them that henceforth this boy is matured enough to handle my business that is adoption amen now children were raised by slaves Whose response, I mean, children who are actually raised by slaves, whose responsibility was to teach the children. Now, get this right. You can have a child and you decide to bring in somebody else to take care of this child. Is that okay? Right. And that will give you the sense of what Galatians 4 talks about. We were children heirs of God but the element, the slaves were taking care of us are you following me? so sorry to say if you look at it critically you find that the law was a slave taking care of children now he says children were raised by slaves whose responsibility was to teach the children to be a miniature duplication of their father. I want you to get it. When you get someone to take care of your child, this day you call them nanny, whatever nanny, right? You can have people in the home, you call them nanny to take care of your children because you're in business or something like that. But in the early times, when you bring in somebody to the house to take care of your child, the responsibility of that person is to make sure the child grows up to be like you. So it's a miniature replication of the father that the slave projects and reproduces in that child. Are you still there with me? Now you can begin to understand also why the Bible says the law will not bring us to perfection. Because he cannot bring us to the place of true sons in God. Now, when a child begins to reveal the character of the father, if you will, there will be a great feast for the child where the father will publicly present his son to let others know how well pleased he is with the character of the child. And now that word is very important. How well pleased he is. You begin to see the language of God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
So when the child is raised up to the place where the father becomes really pleased with the child's character and attitude and you know responsibility and everything, he gets down to the public and let them know that henceforth my child can take care of my responsibility. In other words, he can manage my estate even if I'm not there. By implication, the respect we are supposed to give to me, give it to the child. In other words, if you were to obey me giving a particular instruction, obey this child also giving the instruction because exactly like me, it's not representing me, it's matured enough to represent me. You begin to see where scripture says creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. These are some who have received, have come to imbibe the same character of God like Christ was. Praise the Lord. Now, the Roman father, for instance, gave to the children what is called Ingo Vivila to show that a child has come to the place of maturity. They have to give them this thing that is called Ingo Vivila. That's the, for the Roman Empire. And the Jews' father would give to such a mature child a prayer show or clock in the family color to the son. The prayer show, that comes with a prayer show or a clock. Remember what Paul was telling Timothy, come also with the freshman on my clock. Is that okay? Right. Good. So here, the Hebrew father gives to the child a prayer show. You know what the prayer show is? Right. Good. And then it, and then it gives them you know, a clock in the family's color. You remember in Israel, especially the, the, the 12 tribes, remember they have all their colors. Very good. So, he gave them this prayer show and the clock in the family color to indicate that now the child can represent the family. That's adoption. So you find that the adoption in scripture is completely different from what we have in the society. Where you go take a child who is not in your bloodline to make him your child by caring for him. You give the child all the right, quite all right, fine, but in the true sense, the child is not your bloodline. Okay? But that is not the adoption, I keep repeating, in the scripture. The scripture, you are adopting your child by placing the child in position of responsibility and authority as far as your health, I mean your property is concerned. When it comes to your estate, this child can manage your estate. Once you declare that before the people, that child has been what? Adopted. So God is not adopting orphans. God is not adopting strangers. Does it make sense to you? Good. Praise the Lord. Now there is something which is very important. Royal children, those who are born into royalty, maybe in princes in the community, prince and princess, whatever, they are born into royalty. They are raised differently with the mentality that one day they shall become kings or like those of common birds. And this is all very crucial. And so even now, get what I've just said. Children were raised differently, those who were born into royalty, with what? A different mentality. Praise the Lord. 
they were raised differently with the mentality that one day they shall become kings unlike those of common belt so now to an extent you begin to see how they were raising Moses in Egypt is that okay the kind of special care the kind of you know because the mindset was that Moses was going to become what a king the way they treat the, the children of the kings or those born into royalty is different from the way they treat common men. And now, the ministry you belong to was supposed to be like the servant that raises you as a child of the king. So if a ministry does not impute into you the mentality of royalty is treating you like a common child. Are you there with me? It means that ministry did not recognize your true birth. It doesn't recognize your royalty as one born into a royal family. Are you there with me? You see, so ministry is meant to raise people to actually discover their true royalty. <laughs> Glory to God. You see, they, they, they know how to say We are prince and kings But they don't know how to raise the people Who are supposed to be kings Rather, most often you see Most people are raised like slaves Even in the church People with common beds Just like any other citizen But that's not how God wants his people to be raised he wants them raised as royal children as i mean if you remember the bible talks about being heirs of god and joint heirs with christ so you raise children you raise people in the church to have the understanding and the mentality of royalty praise the lord this is why you know sometimes people will say well God does not look at the outward appearance, you look at the inward, then look at the heart. And so they dress anyhow. No. Royalty demands splendid, beautiful adoration. Is that okay? You, you don't just dress anyhow because you no know, God does not look on the inward part. God. No. If you are a royal person, you should understand what it means. That you are born into royalty. You are not just an ordinary person. You are not a common person. With Jesus dressed anyhow because God doesn't look on the outward appearance. I mean, you look on the inward heart. How many of you understand that people are even misapplying that scripture? That's not what the Bible really says. Look at what the Bible really means. Here was nathan to anoint david to be king of israel is that okay then all the brothers came in and then the senior brother holy or whatever his name was the tallest man and he thought that because this man is tall and huge i mean if you remember kings were leading the nation to war so because this one was huge and tall like a bouncer this must be the king good for israel who can lead them to war and god said no he doesn't have the heart of a king. He could have the appearance of a king. 
His physique is strong and heavy, but the heart of a shepherd is not there. There is a man that knows what it means to shepherd people. He's in the bush, bring him in. And let nobody sit down until he comes in. That's how David came in. David came in because he had the heart of a shepherd as compared to his brother who have the physics that's what god was talking about it's what is in your heart in relation to his work that we're dealing with not your physical appearance with the way you dress you can't be callous with your dressing and say god does not look on the outward appearance no you are not dressing royalty are you following what i'm saying here so there's a way that royal people are raised and it's the way the common people are raised. So in mind what you put on. In mind how you dress. To reflect who you are. As a royal kid. In God's kingdom. Hallelujah. I know this may be hard for some of us to take in. But that's the truth. I think it's in Exodus. is in Exodus 28. When God talks about. You know. Aaron. How to dress them up. Can we go to Exodus 28? That will come back here. Exodus 28, I verse number 1 to 2. Good. And thou shalt take unto the Aaron thy brother, listen to this, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nada, Babihu, Eliezer, and Itama, Aaron's sons. Go to verse 2. And thou shalt make what? Holy garments for Aaron that brother for what glory and for beauty excellent you don't be callous anyhow you child of god you're a priest of god you just dress callously god doesn't look at the outward appearance that's a big joke <laughs> god said do this for those people to minister before me the garment is going to be for glory and for beauty praise the living god you follow what I'm saying? I need you to catch it because this is very crucial. We're talking about adoption and then you've been adopted as a child of God. You have to reflect what God has in mind and who the children born into a royal family are supposed to look like. Amen. I remember going to one wedding ceremony one of my cousins was getting married and there was this king that came and you know you need to see normally colorful dressing the king was coming with his entourage all of those people following and when it got to the place of Sidon another place was provided for the daughter who came so the princess also came with the king here is the position for the princess the little girl was distinguished from other people because she was born into royalty Now, when you understand that God has adopted you, called you into the place of royalty, you can't be callous with your appearance and say God does not look at your other appearance. Who told you that? He does. <laughs> are, you, are you still following me? Praise God. So, get this. A child born into royalty listen to this the child is born into royalty and then kidnapped perhaps and raised without a consciousness of his inheritance 
he will not have the confidence in his power and authority that should have been taught to him as a child that is right if a child is born into royalty and the child is kidnapped now those who kidnap the child will begin to raise the child but the understanding of the power of his royalness will not be imputed to his life now what the church have done to so many believers today is what i'm painting before you a lot of christians have been kidnapped and they are being raised without a consciousness of royalty they don't understand who they are they are born into the kingdom but they are kidnapped by religion so they don't have authority they don't have power they don't have dominion the only man that can exercise power in such system is the pastor or the prophet or the apostle nobody else has right such people have been kidnapped so the consciousness of royalty is missing they will never be able to grow to the place of exercising that authority as a king the book of proverbs says the king seated on the throne dispersed evil with his eyes and the king the bible also made us understand you remember kings make decree Ezra chapter 1 King Cyrus said this decree have I made all you understand that kings rule by decree by implication when the Bible says, oh help me now you shall decree a thing it shall come to pass that is the effect of a royalty when you've grown to the place of maturity and you know who you are you decree a thing and it comes to pass kings decree but slaves have been kidnapped and captured and raised outside of the palace they don't understand the power of dominion and authority and this is where the church has placed majority of believers so everyone looks onto the pastor for solution everyone looks out the prophet for answer they don't understand the inheritance in their royalty they lack it now because they are kidnapped people and so you're listening to me if you've come to the place in your life where you don't understand who you are and the power god has given to you by reason of adoption you are being raised as a slave don't born into royalty but you are a kidnapped personality your mindset is low you don't understand who you are you don't even know why you are existing <laughs> you don't even know that you are born into a royal family how many understand these things are all over the place right now? 80% of believers don't know who they are. Why? Because they are like kidnapped people being raised outside of royalness. Praise the living God. Learning of royalty of such a kidnapped person as an adult will cause confusion, insecurity, and doubt because of the childhood issue which will have not been part of his life as he was raised in royalty now listen to this when a child is born into a royal family when i'm saying this begin to always get the mind that god has called us to himself god is a king we are prince and princess of the father is that okay good so 
when a child is born into reality and kidnapped, if he grows to become an adult, learning of his reality as an adult will cause a lot of confusion. It will cause insecurity. It will cause doubt because of the childhood issue. Because he doesn't know exactly who he was, who he had been. So when he grows to a place of maturity, he gets into confusion. Because he don't understand that power. This will have been part of his life as he was growing up, but now it was not given to him when he was young. So you see, a lot of Christians, they've come to the place of maturity, but they are confused as to who they are, as to what they can do. Why? Because they were raised as commoners, not as royal people. So they don't know who they are. That is why your faith is not stable, because you doubt who you are. Because the thing that comes to your mind if you're raised outside of royalty, when you come to the place of maturity, there's going to be a lot of confusion. You don't understand the power of royalty. There's going to be a lot of doubt. There's faith. You begin to doubt who you are, what you can do, what can directly come to you as a child of God. Why? Because you were raised as a slave, not in royalty. This is why people's faith are not strong. Are you following me? So you see, teaching faith must address who you are, your right in God. Amen? The subject of faith is not necessarily all that must come to you. See what the Bible says, seek it for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added. Can you get that? Why? Now you know what the kingdom is, you know who you are, you know who the king is, you know you are a child of the king, what's the next thing? Everything comes to you. You can decree a thing, it comes to pass. So your faith is embedded in your discovery of your true identity. So why you have doubt today in your life is simply because you do not understand that you are born into royalty. Hallelujah. Is anybody following this? I hope I'm not speaking above your head. Are you, are you following me? Good. So, that is the foundation for faith. To be raised up to make you know who you are. A child of God. Born into a royal blood. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Once you understand that, then you have no problem. You can decree a thing because it is not you, it is your royalty that is speaking. Your prayer becomes effective because you are speaking based on your foundation and who you are, the power you carry as a royal citizen. Your power becomes stronger, power me, your prayer becomes stronger, powerful. That's what faith really stands for. Hmm? Hallelujah. Did you follow that? So when you grow up, if you're not properly raised as a child of God, you get into confusion, you get into doubt, you don't understand who you are. You get into insecurity, you are not secured. You see, for those born into royalty, if you're going out, going to some places, you know they have bodyguards or they are military men, they have security. They are confident that, well, I'm a child of the king. 
Nothing can happen to me as far as the kingdom is concerned. Is that okay? Good. And what's that supposed to mean to you? For you just to understand that you born into royalty, you have angels attached to your life. That goes with you wherever you go. You have to understand that you have angels attached to you. <laughs> Glory to God. You look at the book of Ezekiel, won't go there, Ezekiel 28, take time to read it from verse 1 to 19. You begin to see how God was speaking to King Cyrus. I made you understand that even the guiding angel that are attached to you will bring you to destruction because they have become proud. Men of royalty have security men attached to them, angelic being attached to them. You have to understand that because we are born into royalty, God has placed some angels around you anytime, anywhere you go. You have your angel that are walking with you. Is anybody understanding this? But so many of us don't get that and that is why we live in confusion we live in doubt no good faith we live in insecurity we're always afraid of death anything can happen to us all of those fears that you are having is born of the fact that you do not know that you are born into royalty that means you have been raised by other slave servants <laughs> and so you have a slave mentality Instead of that of an heir to the throne. Hallelujah. So this is a problem with so many Christians like I'm saying today. Not knowing their true identity as believers. Just as it happened to Moses until he got self-discovery. You remember Moses grew up in the palace thinking that that was right. Until he came to his mind one day and said, no, this is not my home. But he was enjoying everything. He had all rights because he was in the palace, but was being raised by a slave, if you will. Even though he was in the king's palace, that was not the right place for him to be. And so, why do you think he come to that place? He has to come to the place of realization that this is not really my home. I mean, I would say that is the reconciliation, adoption that begin to come. When understand they begin to dawn on you that this is not your environment, this is not the way you're supposed to live, you are returning back home just like the prodigal son. Are we together? So Christianity is being cheapened, meaning our royal status is being cheapened by few individuals who have been able to stand up there to tell you things that ordinarily you are not supposed to receive. As a matter of fact, when people tell you that demons are going to kill you, witches are going to kill you, I wonder who they are telling you, you really are. That you are not, you do not amount to anything. By implication, the angelic beings attached to you have been taken away. You begin to doubt, you begin to have fears, insecurity, because somebody is raising you. With the mentality of a slave. May God help his church. Jesus' adoption. Let me give you a simple illustration of the adoption of Jesus. So that you understand this. I said when the child begins to grow. And even the father. In the process of adoption with the Jewish concept. 
There will be a great feast for the child where the father will publicly present the son to let others know how well pleased he is with the character of the child. You know, Jesus made a statement. When I was studying this, and something just came to my mind. I got a scripture from John 14, verse number 7. We're talking about raising a child that will be exactly like his father. In John 14, verse number 9, John 14, verse number 9, it said, Jesus said unto him, That's to Nathaniel, have I been so long with you, and yet has not known me, Philip? I mean, Philip, he that has seen me, have seen the Father, and I said, Thou show us the Father. This is the real character of a child that has come to maturity, the child that reveals the Father. Did you get that? If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. My character is out of the Father. You can't see God except you see God in Christ. Are you there with me? So now look at this. Go with me to John chapter 3 verse number 11. I mean, sorry, Matthew, Matthew 3, verse number 11. Let's look at Matthew 3, 11 instead. Matthew 3, 11. John was speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garden, but he will burn up the chaff with a quenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan, unto John to be baptized of him. I tried to explain this last week. The baptism of John was that of repentance. So, what made Jesus come for baptism? Because he was born under the law. So, he came to repent of the law, because he had no sin. Are you there with me? Verse 14 says, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and come thou to me. And then he said, And Jesus answered and said unto him, So by it to be so now, for thus becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lightning upon him. Who saw? John saw. Because if you look at the account, from Luke, I mean John, you'll be able to see precisely that. God told him, the man that the Holy Spirit will descend like a dove, he is the Messiah you are looking for. The purpose of John baptizing in Israel was to locate who Jesus was. And as soon as Jesus had been located, he ended the water baptism. That was the end of the ministry. Because the excess of the baptism was to locate Jesus. And as soon as this thing happened, he left the place. Verse 17. What was the next thing? And lo, a voice from heaven saying, What? This is my beloved son in whom I would were pleased. Now don't forget, when a child has grown to the place of exhibiting the character of the father and pleasing him, he adopts him and presents him before the people. So here was an adoption. 
Can you see that? So now, was God adopting Jesus as a stranger? No. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Are you following me? Now, this is where, this is where, please understand what I'm dealing with. This is very important if only you can really, really capture what I'm dealing with. Can you understand, therefore, when the storm was on, the rain, I mean, the wind was on when they were crossing the boat, and he was able to say, Peace be still. Why do you think the wind obeyed him? Why do you think the wave obeyed him? Why do you think the storm obeyed him? Because when God said this, all of the elementary creation had when he said, This my beloved son in whom I well pleased. Hear ye him by implication, obey him. So when you come to the place of placement, even the elementary creation will obey you. Are you see that with me? This adoption. Now, in this position, Jesus was adopted as a prophet. Why? Because, you see, John was seen as a prophet. So the Father was actually directing attention from John to Jesus as a now prophet to Israel. Are you getting this? He was taking attention direct. You know, everybody recognized John the Baptist. Even Herod was afraid of him. Remember that? Good. Such a prophet. Everybody recognized him. But when the voice came, so he was directing attention from John unto who? Unto Jesus. Listen to this one, not this one. Because the ministry of John was over. A new prophet had risen. By reason of this adoption. That took place in River Jordan. Are we together? Good. Now go with me now again to Matthew 17 and verse number 1. Matthew 17 verse number 1. After six days, Jesus take Peter. Now when is it after six days? He has already said that in chapter 16, the last verse. Some of you standing here shall not taste of death until you see the Son of Man come in his power. Is that okay? After six days of that statement, you can go back to it so that you can see it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, there be some standing here who shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Go to verse 17 now. After six days of that statement, and this is very important because I'm going to show you something now. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a black cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I will please. Hear ye him. 
So, I mean, was God just interested in saying this? No. In River Jordan, he was adopted as a prophet. Here in this place, he's adopted as a priest. That's why the glory showed up. That's why everything about him. That's, now, I'll show you something. Go with me to Leviticus 8 and verse 31. Leviticus 8 verse number 31. I said, Amothi said unto Aaron and to his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and yet eat it with. With what? Praise the Lord. That the congregation, and eat there, eat with the bread that is in the basket of consecration. So I want you to understand it. This is consecration into priesthood of the family of Aaron now and his sons. As I command the saying, Aaron and his son shall eat it. Is that okay? But verse 32. And that which remaineth of the flesh and of the bread shall ye burn with fire. Don't forget verse 31 talks about what? Consecration. Alright. Okay. Verse 33. And ye shall not go out. Hear this. Of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. In seven days. Until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall be what? You're consecrated or consecrate you. Praise the living God. Are you following this? Don't go out of the tabernacle. If you do, you die. Help me now. So what Jesus revealed was a consecration as a priest portraying what? Immortality. Are you seeing this? <laughs> that is why you see these three men that showed up there Moses, Elijah and Moses they represent three basic philosophies that was going on two primarily before Jesus came the first one was the Jews believe in resurrection and that was Moses the second one they just believe I mean in I mean the Greeks they believe in reincarnation and that was obviously Elijah so you have reincarnation you have resurrection but now here was the third person standing for what immortality what was God saying I'm no longer interested in resurrection I'm not interested in reincarnation my focus it was immortality believe this man in other words forsake those people are you saying this now the whole thing we're reading now go with me to Leviticus chapter 9 let's read another passage just to show you of the consecration seven days after six days so on the seven days they're moving now to the glorification and it came to pass on the eighth day hallelujah now if you read Luke account it gives you eight days and not seven days Let's first go to Luke account before I come back to Leviticus. And I'll show you. Luke chapter 9 verse 27. Luke chapter 9 verse 27. But I tell you of the truth, there be some standing here 
we shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. And it came to pass about eight days after the saying that he took Peter, James, and John and went up onto the mountain to pray. Can you see that? Okay, go back to Leviticus now. Let me show you. Leviticus chapter 9, verse number 1. And it came to pass on what? A day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. What the next thing? And he said unto Aaron, Take thee a young calf for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And unto the children of Israel that shall speak, saying, Take ye a kid of the goats for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, and a burnt offering. Now go to verse 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation, and came out and did what? Bless the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. That's what Jesus experienced now. The consecration into what? Priesthood. The glory appeared. Can you see that? So when he said, This my beloved son, a woman, well pleased, the second time was his adoption as what? A priest. Which is truly the manifestation of true sonship. Are we together? Praise the Lord. So here was his adoption as what? As a priest. What was the first adoption? A prophet. Second adoption? A priest. I'll show you the third one. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's start reading from verse number 1. Glory to God. God was hundred times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. How in this last day has spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and have opened all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand on the majesty on high, being made such a better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. God never said that to angels. So when we say, in the first section, where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, when the sons of God gathered, it wasn't talking to angels. Because scripture said God doesn't address angels as his son. <laughs> Are you saying that now? Good. And again, when he bringeth forth the firstborn into the world, he said, Let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels said, He will make a this angel spirit as minister what? A flame of fire. But unto the son, he said, Look at this. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is what? The scepter of the kingdom. Thou have law righteousness, I hate an iniquity, therefore God, even the God had anointed thee with the oil of all gladness above thy fellows. So now, this is a thought adoption of Jesus. As what? 
as a king. The first adoption was that of a prophet. Second adoption was that of a priest. The third adoption was that of a king. I cannot tell you something, people of God. Let me just finish this. A scepter of righteousness. The scepter, you must understand, was kind of a sort of a staff, like a stick or instrument of various forms. It was the signatory or the sign of government. And it's here used for government itself. So, the ancient Jewish writers understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Are you there with me? By reason of this scripture alone, they understood that Jesus was the Messiah. God has given me authority that the scepter of the kingdom. So he was adopted as a king. Now you see what? He is the firstborn, help me now, among many brethren. That means everything he walked through, we are supposed to walk through it. What is that supposed to mean to you if you're truly a believer? And you understand what I'm trying to say? You can move from just being a convert as you move into full sonship. You can experience the prophetic. You can experience the power of priesthood. You can experience the power of a king. You flow through all of those realms. Are you following me? So you can function as a prophet. Because he did. You can function as a priest. It is the medium of which you bring men back to God as a reconciler. You can function as a king. That's why you made decree with your prayers. Are you following this? This is for you to understand what adoption stands for. So when God begins to adopt you, you begin to go through all these experiences. Go with me Hebrews chapter 5. Is anybody following what I'm saying tonight? You must mature. You must grow. You must come out of being a baby or a slave to religion. That is not your call. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in this pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Brought up from among men and ordained for men. God call us out and ordain us for people. This one will bring men back to God as priests. Look at the next thing. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. For thy himself also is compassed with what? Infirmity. Look at the next thing. And by reason herefore he ought also for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. In verse 4. And no man take this honor unto himself. That means you have to be adopted into it. You have to be consecrated into it. No man take this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as what you call Aaron. You see Leviticus chapter 8 and chapter 9. Aaron was called. Exodus 28. Make this beautiful garment for glory for them to minister before me. That's the calling. And God called you from the world and ordained you into these offices that you function before him in relation to men. That's why soul winning is a primary function of the priest. Because you are reconciling men back to God. Are you there with me? Look at verse 5. 
so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I what begotten thee. Adoption. <laughs> Can you see that? And that's Hebrew chapter what? Chapter 1. Today have I begotten thee. Adoption. Praise the living God. Are we together tonight? I want you to see how God wants us to move. And all these things I'm saying, they are not hidden in one man. They are not just for some people. See, anybody that is functioning in full capacity is all simply because that individual has been able to discover who he is or she is, is or her right. You've been able to discover. Man, when you read this book, don't read it just like you are reading a novel. Read it to discover who you are. Praise the living God. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? I want you to capture this. Friend, God has adopted us. We are not slaves. We are sons. And in this house, you are not being raised by slaves to have slave mentality. You'll be raised by sons to come to the place of sonship. So that you know exactly who you are. The mindset of royalty is what I'm creating in you. You are not handed over to some individuals to raise you with a slave mindset that as you grow up, you get confused, you get into doubt, you get into insecurity. No, not in this house. If you truly, truly know who you are and you should know who you are, then of course you begin to operate as one that is called of God and adopted by God. So our adoption is not just some wishy-washy storytelling our adoption is not because we're slaves somewhere orphans somewhere and god just begin to bring us in no that is not the adoption in scripture adoption is a placement of sons into a place of maturity and power and glory praise the living god somebody are you following me come on are you with me let me just read the scripture but i'm going to be dealing with it in the next section romans chapter 8 and then look at verse 23. Romans 8 verse 23. Hallelujah. Talking about creation groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And here's what the Bible says. And not only they, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit. That's Pentecost. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption to win the redemption of our body. That means your body is going to be adopted. <laughs> Glory to God. So that tells you the language of adoption has nothing to do with bringing in an offering somewhere else. No. You want me to explain further? No. That's an appetizer for next week. Are you there with me? So that you understand what the Bible is talking about adoption. Because you see, this is not the body God intended us to have. This is not the body Adam had. And this is not the body Jesus had when he rose from the grave. That's an adopted body. That's what makes Jesus the true son of God. I'll show you that next week. Have I helped you tonight? Stand for your right. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.